that you would inhabit our praise and that we would uh, be focused upon you now, Lord God. I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning, that you would place your words in my mouth, and that we would glorify you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It is so good to see you all today. Well, I've got this bag of goodies here. Now imagine that, well imagine I can find what I'm looking for first. Okay, so there's this lady here, and she wants to go on vacation, right? She's by herself, she's a happily, happily single woman, having a good time. She wants to go on vacation, where does she want to go? Hawaii, great Hawaii. Who does she have to talk to before she goes on vacation? Nobody, right? She just goes, and where does she stay? On the beach, great. Does she have to debate this with anyone? No, where does she eat? Wherever she wants. Amazing, isn't that? And nobody complains about it, do they? No, she has a good time. She enjoys herself. Now she gets married. Right? And here's her husband. Right? And so they go to Hawaii. Well, where do they want to go? Vegas? Okay, Vegas. And how did they come about that decision? She made it. She made it. Good, that's a smart man right there. Right, and, and where do they go out to eat when they're there? They can't decide, that's right, because one of them's thinking, he's not saying, but I know he's thinking something. And, she's, and he's saying, oh my gosh, I know she wants to go somewhere, but I don't know where it is. You know, they're all trying to discover one another's secret, you know, undisclosed desires and what they want to do. And it becomes a little more complicated, doesn't it? But they have a great time, right? They enjoy themselves, catch some good shows. You know, hit it big at the casinos. Then, they have a child. Well, I kind of got it mixed up. This child's kind of big. Right? The child is very tall. He's like Paul Bunyan. And now they go on vacation. Where do they want to go? Disneyland. And that's all fun and joy, isn't it? Oh, boy. They get there. And what does the kid want? Tickets. Everything. This kid wants everything, right? And so, uh, where do they go to eat? McDonald's. And when do they go to eat? When everyone's happy, right? No, yeah, kids screaming, they're rushing in there, they're trying to order, they're throwing the food down, you know, down the kid's throat to get him to stop screaming, right? Things get a little more complicated, right? So they have this child, and then they have another, and things get simpler, right? Right, and then, and then they have another, and another, and things are getting easier, aren't they? And they got this one whose head fell off. I don't even know where the head is of this one. And this one's always mad because his sister bit his head off. Right? And then, and then grandma moves in. Right? And the other grandma. And grandpa too. Just to make it fun. Right? And now where do they go on vacation? Nowhere. Right? Things get really complicated the more people you add to the equation, don't they? Things just get more and more confusing. 
And everyone's got their own kind of desires that they want to inject into the decision-making process. Everyone's got their own wills, their own way of seeing the world, their own priorities. And that makes things complicated. When it was just this one woman alone, life was a lot easier to navigate. Because she only had to worry about herself. She only had to worry about what she wanted to do with her life. But as soon as that family became a family, things got confusing. Now on Thursday, uh, we celebrated the Feast of the Ascension, right? This is where Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father. And uh, this is his rightful place of authority as he reigns over heaven, the heavens and the earth. In our gospel passage for today, though, we have Jesus' prayer for his disciples before he's betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right, And you all know that after the betrayal is the trial, crucifixion, uh, dead for three days, resurrection. And then Jesus uh, is with his disciples until the ascension, right, for those 40 days. Now, this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane is one of his last prayers for us. One of his last prayers for his followers on this earth. And it's very important, and it's immediately followed actually by a prayer for future believers, by those of us who have followed the disciples in the faith. Now, in this passage, in this gospel passage, I see a theme that has great implications for us. Jesus, in praying to the Father, says of the disciples, And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, right? The disciples are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus, when he ascended to the right hand of the Father, was not bodily on the earth anymore. Right? He just, he ascended. His, his body, his whole, everything, he went up into heaven to be with the Father. Now that's the reason that you and I can't get on a plane and fly to Jerusalem and have an appointment with Jesus. Pretty clear, right? Because he's not physically here anymore in the same way he was before. That makes things more complicated, doesn't it? Doesn't it make it kind of confusing that we can't have this direct meeting with Jesus as a person right there, face to face, write down our notes, take it home. I could say, look, I had a meeting with Jesus. He told me this, that, and the other. This is what we're supposed to do. Now let's move out and do it. That's not how it works anymore, is it? He's not here in one place at one time. Instead, he's everywhere. And every believer has him in their heart. The presence of Christ has been spread out, and the Holy Spirit who's coming, we celebrate next Sunday at Pentecost, allows all Christians to hear the Lord and respond to him. Now suddenly everyone is speaking to God and being impacted by him. This is great for us, but terrible for command and control. Right? How does the military work? Right? Privates and generals, they always get together. Is that how it works for you, Orlo? Exactly. Right? The way it works is you have a chain of command, right? If you're a private, you pass it up to your your corporal or your sergeant, and they pass it up to the staff sergeant. You know, they pass it up and up and up. And finally, if it's important enough, it gets to the top and it gets taken care of. But that's not the way it works in the church. The way it works for us is you and I, we have access to the throne room of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We get to go and speak to God himself. 
It's an amazing thing. But the challenge is that since we're all talking to God, we can all come up with our own conclusions and we can all come up with our own responses as what God might be saying to us. And this often happens, right? It often happens that Christians are put at odds with one another about what God has said or what God has taught them or how they are supposed to live their lives. It becomes a challenge in the church because suddenly all these people are trying to work together and yet they're all coming up with different things and trying to push the church in their direction. Now let me defend the system for a second. Right? This is the best system that has ever existed. Having Jesus bodily present is great if you can get an appointment. Right? If we're dealing with one Lord who is in one place at one time, that's going to be hard. Notice that in Scripture, all those crowds that Jesus passed through, right? remember that, all those times Jesus passed through a crowd, those crowds were all full of people who didn't get a chance to speak to Jesus. They didn't get a chance to hold an audience with God. Instead, they saw him from a distance and saw him move through and do amazing things, but didn't get to come into his presence. But in the system that he's enacted now, everyone has access to the throne room of God through the blood of that very same Jesus Christ. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit is working inside each and every believer to ensure that they stay in line with the work and words of the Father and the Son. The problem with this whole system is me, or us. The problem's us, right? We're the broken, the broken cog in the perfectly working machine. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're one. They've got it all worked out. Their system is airtight. The problem is here with us. It's with us humans. We aren't airtight. We don't work together perfectly. We don't mesh with one another in perfect, synchronized beauty. Each of us hears the word of God and they fall upon our ears in different ways. Some read the scriptures and come up with a fixed and clear date for the second coming of Christ. Right? To quote a recent example. Which was debated by other people, right? Did everyone have, was there unanimity on this one? No, there wasn't, despite the billboards. Not everyone was unified on this fixed date for the second coming of Christ. Other Christians said, no, this is not right. We can't. This is not what God calls us to. And so there was debate within the greater Christian church. We debated with one another as to whether this was true or not. Now, even these verses in today's gospel have spoken to each of us differently. And my words right now are being received by each one of us in a different way. That's the life we live as humans. We hear things differently. We come with our own experiences, our own backgrounds, our own issues that are inside our heads this morning as we came to church. We all approach the Lord differently. And so we hear different things when we respond to him. Now, Jesus' prayer is not that this would not happen. He knows it will. He knows this is the way that humans work. Rather, Jesus' prayer for his disciples is that they would be protected so that they may be one as he and the Father and the Spirit are one. We follow a God who speaks to us where we are. We follow a God who is with us. Notice the name of our church, Emmanuel, God with us. We follow a God who stepped into human flesh 
and lived as one of us. We follow a God who lived a perfect human life and sacrificed it on the cross and rose from the dead so that we could come into the presence of God. Jesus turned on its head the way we organize our institutions. He broke down chains of command and invites us all to his throne room. Our responsibility as Christians is to come. Now each of these people, right in my little family here, Right, each time another person was added to the equation, things got more complicated. Right, people started to debate with one another. They started to kind of, you know, backbite and deceive each other or do things like that, you know, or tattle. Tattling, man, that'll get you every time. They started to do all kind of things that made things complicated for the family. Right? And the church is kind of one big family, isn't it? Right, what we do is we take a family and we mix them all up. Right, We throw my family in with your family, with somebody else's family. And what we do too is because we're um, open to whoever God brings into this place is we throw families who have wildly different backgrounds together. And does that make things simple? No, not at all. Things get complicated. People have different priorities. People have different visions of what the church should do, how it should function, what structure it should have, how it should use its resources. Things get really complicated. But what Jesus Christ invites us to do, what he invites us to do, is instead of looking at one another, instead of looking around and seeing things that we might like to change or alter, he invites us to enter into the throne room of God. And in the throne room of God, instead of looking at one another, we all have the opportunity to focus on him. Right? It's in prayer. It's in coming into the Lord's presence, entering into his room, that we all begin to face the same direction. That we all begin to take upon ourselves the same goals and priorities and things of importance. It's in that place, in the throne room of, throne room of God, where we encounter our brokenness. Where we encounter who we truly are as people. Where we see ourselves in the light of God where we come with humility, where we seek forgiveness, where we lift up the concerns of the community, where we lift up the concerns of our own heart, and where we turn those over to the Lord. And it is in his throne room that we as the church are most truly the body of Christ. Because it's there that we are all focused on hearing our direction from the same Lord. And so my prayer for us as the body of Christ is that we would be people. We would be people individually and corporately who would seek the Lord in prayer. That we would turn our hearts and our minds and our bodies to him. Hear his direction for our life and leave from this place unified, strengthened, and empowered to serve him in this world. Let's pray. Dear Lord Christ, I thank you for offering us the opportunity to come into your presence in prayer. I pray that you would unify us, Lord, as you and the Father and the Spirit are one. We pray that you would take us from our diverse and uh, so uh, our diverse and, and so um, wildly varying backgrounds, Lord, and experiences and unite us into a body through the power of your blood. 
I pray that you would give us a single purpose, a single direction. Give us the ability to make decisions as a body, Lord, which glorify you. Lord, and help us to love and encourage one another. Help us to bless each other. Lord, and may we serve you joyfully and with unity this day and forevermore. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.